So hello and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes and I'm your host. And if you're new to the podcast, the Embrace Your Destiny podcast is all about sharing the stories and journeys of women who have been through a challenging time in their life and they've been able to get through to the other side stronger in mind, body and soul for it. And today's guest is Amber Dahl. And at 12 years old, Amber's world changed when her mother passed away. The struggle to process the loss of her mother and to care for her family led Amber to abusive relationships, sexual assaults, a teenage pregnancy, her daughter being taken away from her, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. Despite these challenges, she remains positive that she and each of us can actively build our best life. Thanks so much, Amber, for being my guest today. Thank you, Sandra, for having me. So, Amber, why don't we start off with you sharing a little bit more about your journey? Sure. My journey starts, as you mentioned, when I was 12. Um, My mom passed away, and my father was a combination of illiterate and an addict. So it really kind of fell to me to take care of my younger brother, help my father with things such as balancing checkbooks and paying bills. And um, so things got a little rocky with my dad's drug use. Um, Eventually things became volatile and we started to get into some physical altercations. So at about 15, I ran away from home and I wound up living with my aunt and my uncle. And they've been foster parents for about 20 years now. So living with them, things kind of stabilized for a while until I turned 18. I moved out on my own and immediately met my daughter's father. And we moved in together very quickly. Within a few months while I was pregnant with her, he became physically violent as well. And that process of leaving that relationship probably was about nine months altogether. And so it was shortly after my daughter was born that she was was about four months old when my aunt and uncle, who were the foster parents, got involved and had discovered that while I was at work, Her father was not taking care of her properly, and she had a bruise the size of a golf ball on her temple one day. Oh, no. Yeah. And I had gone over to pick her up because he had had her for visitation, and he handed me a caseworker's card. And I hit the floor, and I let out the most guttural scream I have ever let out, you know, and I went through the process of trying to get my daughter back for about 15 months. And at a certain point, the court systems decided that it was in her best interest to move toward termination of rights as her mother. Um, Her father had already signed off his rights in 
probably a couple of months into the battle. Um, and so over the last, cause my daughter's 15 now. So over the last 15 years, I've gone through a process of building that relationship with her and, you know, still being a part of her life, even though, you know, I'm not able to raise her. So I'm very fortunate that I can still be involved with her, even though I don't technically have any rights as her parent. That must be so hard, though. It is. Um, it was a lot harder when she was younger, because in when she was about four years old, I actually had to move away for a while. And I was only about three hours away from her, but it kind of put me in that position where I was only able to see her once a month for a weekend. And she would say things, you know, like, um, I miss you, of course. And if she hadn't seen me, she didn't really understand time at that age. And she would say, you know, I didn't, I don't think you like me anymore. And I would spend the next two hours on my way back home, two to three hours of my drive, just sobbing. Um, oh, yeah. Crazy. It must be so heartbreaking, though, right? Because you know that that's not it at all, but it's out of your control in a lot of ways. Yeah, I had had to move for work opportunities. Um, I come from a very small town, so there wasn't a whole lot here. I had already spent... 10 years waitressing and, um, you know, working in factories. So I was really looking to become the type of person that she could look up to. And in order to do that, I felt like I needed to build a career. So I left the area to try to do that. And so this time, um, I'm currently dealing with some PTSD. This is something that's kind of new for me. Uh, I was just diagnosed with it about six months ago. Um, the it was it was a big surprise because I I was a little high strung person my entire life, um, very emotional, but I never really felt traumatized. I never really felt like a victim of things. Um, even though I had, I had experienced, uh, three rapes in my past, um, I was able to identify it for what it was and not put the blame on myself. Um, so recognizing that I had PTSD was just outside of the realm of, of anything I had considered. Um, so right now that's kind of what I'm dealing with and learning some coping skills and learning how I got to this place where things are a little overwhelming. Um, and I've discovered that a lot of that came from what I think a lot of us do, which is when we experience something painful or traumatic, we push through um, and we just, keep moving, not necessarily moving forward, but moving. Right. You're sort of on autopilot 
I think a lot of times when things happen because you still have to deal with life, right? You still have to go to work and pay the bills and do all these other things. So we don't often have the time or take the time to really deal with the things that we're going through. And so it takes sometimes something else happening in our lives for that stuff that we've been trying to push down for so long to sort of bubble up to the top. And it's usually unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's really what was going on with me. I mean, my, you know, obviously I didn't really have my mother. My dad wasn't a good support system. Um, just kind of on my own at a young age. And so when things would happen, you know, I, I had to go to work and I had to clean the house and I had to do the laundry and pay the bills and do all of those things because I didn't have anybody to fall back on. And so when um, I actually moved back to my hometown about three years ago, And that was in part because my dad's health was deteriorating and my daughter was turning into a teenager and I really wanted to be here for both of them. Um, Unfortunately, about two months after I moved here, my father committed suicide. And then a little less than a year later, my grandfather passed away from heart uh, heart condition. And then while I was at work, a friend of mine who I've known since I was a child um, stabbed himself in the chest and I had to keep him conscious and try to keep him alive until the paramedics arrived. My goodness, that's a lot to deal with. (laughs) It is. And, And I think those things kind of came at me and brought a lot of, as you said, something triggers it and these things just started snowballing at me and that kind of triggered my, my PTSD response. Um, I got to the point where I wasn't able to leave the house. And so obviously I couldn't go to work. And so that was creating some issues there. And so it was a really rough period Luckily, over the course of the past six months since my diagnosis, I've been working with a therapist and spending a lot of time getting back in touch with the things that I used to, um, used, I want to say do, but maybe that's not the word, but um, the ways that I used to educate myself and keep myself focused on my inner voice so that I can become stronger and rebuild that person that I used to be before this happened. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting though, right? That we, we think that we've, we've dealt with stuff or that we've, you know, pushed it down far enough that it will never come back. And, um, (laughs) like you said, these life events happen and when they do it, it just reminds us that we still have work to do, that we haven't really dealt with some of these things that could have happened 10, 20 years ago. And um, I think that it's so interesting to know that experiences that have happened so long ago can still impact our our current life in such a huge way if we haven't dealt with it. Absolutely. And I think um, for any women who have 
experience losing their mother at a young age, one of the things that never goes away is that you don't really have an example of womanhood. Um, you don't have anybody to kind of guide you through that period. And so there are things that you may not even realize you don't know until it becomes a problem. And, and that really happened to me quite a bit as I was growing up, you know, especially being a teenager dating. And I think that was a piece of what led me into some of the abusive relationships that I experienced, um, you know, not having that solid female um, influence. Or and, even a positive male influence. Right. You know, either. Right. Because I think that. um having that positive male role model in your life is such a huge thing, especially when you're going into relationships, right? Because if you have a positive male role model in your life, then you have an idea of what, how a man is supposed to treat you or what a man is supposed to do. And so you, and you can talk about those things with your dad or another person who can, you know, let you know that some of those things are warning signs for, that things could get worse, if that makes any sense, right? So yeah, it's about, I guess, having both a a positive male and female role model in your life, especially in your teens. Yeah, and unfortunately, my my father, um, not only with his addiction, but his addiction really stemmed from chronic depression. And he wasn't able to deal with emotions. Um, so for example, even positive emotions, there was a period of time where as an adult, which, um, I was very lucky to be able to get to know my father as a person separate from my father. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) so I, you know, getting to know him, um, there was this time period in which I, I was talking with him and I was letting him know that he, I know that he did the best that he could with the skills that he had. Um, and that got fairly emotional for him. And even though it was a positive emotion, he pulled out a pill and took it because he didn't want to feel. Hmm. Um, so, you know, there wasn't really on either side. I was kind of an island on my own for a lot of years. Um, and, but I think that the one thing that really helped me through that time period and helped me come out of that without um, being too damaged or having that victim mentality is that intuition, um, listening to yourself and always knowing that I've always known that you have the power to create your life and create your future. And I think that so many people aren't taught that and it really doesn't give them anywhere else to turn when they don't have a support system around them. Yeah. So that, that um, ability to, to trust your instincts and, and listen to that inner guide is is so huge. Yeah. Um, there were several times that I have made decisions that seemed outside of the realm of what was 
appropriate. Um, for example, when I ran away from home, um, you know, nobody really understood at that time, but for me, my father needed a wake up call. Mm -hmm. Um, there was too much violence and anger in the home and I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and I knew that something had to be done. So I, I ran away. Um, now I wasn't gone for very long. Uh, when you're, I was 15, I didn't really have money or a car or anything like that. So I didn't, didn't stay gone for more than a few days. Um, but once that had blown over and I was living with my aunt and uncle in the, you know, foster care type system, we, I wasn't really in the foster system. Fortunately, um, my father had signed over guardianship. So went through that process and my father really toned down the, um, the anger to the point where he would just walk away rather than argue. And that was a huge change for him. Um, and it's a big part of what allowed us over time to rebuild our relationship in a different way. But, and I, I don't recommend anybody, any kids who might be listening to run away from home. But, um, you know, for me, it was really listening to my gut and, and what it was telling me something has to change and nobody else is going to do that, make that drastic change. So you're going to have to. Um, so I've always tried to really listen to my intuition. Um, but even beyond that, I think it's very important to surround yourself with teachers. Um, as I got to be a little bit older in my 20s, I really had never lived by myself. Um, and at about 25, I think, I got my first apartment on my own. And I was addicted to the Oprah Winfrey Network. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch master class and life class and super soul Sunday and just absorb anything that they were putting out. And, um, I think that taking those bits and pieces from people really helped to give me a different perspective on what people, um, Yanla Van Zandt is a great example when she talks about listen to what people tell you. They will tell you who they are. Um, and that was a huge thing for me when it came to pulling myself out of abusive relationships. Um, you know, you'll hear people joke and say, oh, I'm a jerk, you know, and, or everybody thinks I'm a jerk or, you know, and they write it off as a joke, but if you're really listening, often it's not. Right. Um, <laughs> and they're, you know, they're just kind of trying to diminish it. But, you know, we don't really pay attention to things people say and put that much depth into it. And I've learned from my own experience, as well as some of these teachers, that really you should be listening to everything somebody says. Yes, absolutely. Amber, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your experiences so far? I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is that mindset is everything. Um, if you, if you can't see 
a future, if you can't see any way for you to make an impact on your life, then you can't. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that may sound a little confusing, but, <laughs> um, you know, there were lots of times when my entire world came crashing down around me when I lived by myself and I was on my own with no support group. And if I hadn't said, okay, well, what can I do right now to, to at least start moving myself in a different direction? Even if I'm not achieving something, just, just move the needle a little bit. Um, then I probably would have fallen apart a lot sooner. Um, and I don't think that falling apart is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I've had to learn that it's okay um, to be a bit of a mess. Um, as long as you're moving forward, um, I have to clarify that. Um, don't just go through the motions, but actively look for something we can do. Um, a great example, I lost my job. Um, when I was, I actually had a roommate at this point, but I was still responsible for bills on my own. So, um, I lost my job and it was during the housing market crash. So this would have been 2010. It was still pretty difficult to find work. And I went to school instead. Um, it's like, okay, well, the only one thing I can do is learn something. So that's what I did. Um, I think that's really important just to find something that you can do right now to move yourself forward. And you have to believe that you can make those changes. Um, when we depend on people in the outside world, that's when we become the victims. Um, so-and-so didn't help me with this. So-and-so didn't give me this job. You know, there's always going to be something that's fighting against us in life. So, um, we have to believe that it's within us. Yeah. Right? To take control in a, in a really meaningful way and not have expectations of others. Cause I know that that's been a huge lesson for me as well is to release that need to, to depend or have expectations of other people because the only thing you really have control over is yourself and what you do. So instead of worrying about or focusing on other people's words or actions or what they're not doing, the best thing that we can do is focus on ourselves and what we can do to get ourselves in a better place, to feel better about ourselves and to, to grow. Because I think that that's really why we're here is to it's a journey, right? And we're all yeah. here to um, learn from our mistakes and to grow from those mistakes. And um, I don't think that they're truly mistakes unless we haven't learned from them. If we can continue to do the same things um, and get the same results and continue to get frustrated and angry about it, then I think those are mistakes. But I think that when you learn from them and you do better next time or you do something differently next time, in the hopes of having different results, then I think that that's the path we're meant to be on. Absolutely. And you brought to mind that Maya Angelou quote, um, we know better, we do better. Yes. Um, and yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that too often 
I mean, it, it's really easy to blame other people. I mean, it would be very easy for me to blame my father for the way that my life turned out um, or to, you know, blame my exes that were abusive for my PTSD. But what I had to learn was that my PTSD came from me not dealing with things. It was my go, 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 just keep doing stuff uh, mentality um, that really just didn't allow me to to move forward in life. Um, yeah. I, but that's yeah. such a big lesson or I guess, yeah, it's a big lesson to learn or to have that awareness of the fact that, that you're the one in control at the end of the day and that you get to, to make different choices. You can always yeah. choose something different. And as you were talking about relying on other people, um, I think in association with that, a lot of people worry about um, the thoughts and opinions of others. And I think that's a big thing that holds us back a lot of the time. Um, I know that prior to, um, um, well, prior to, I'd say about two months ago, I wasn't very open about my experiences. Um, I really, it was really hard for me to have conversations with coworkers or people I would meet um, in you know, I didn't want to talk about um, my kid's school because then people want to know, you know, oh, what school does she go to? And then there's that whole conversation of, oh, she lives three hours away and here's why. And um, so I just really kind of kept things to myself. Um, but as I was talking earlier about making the best of every bad situation, um, when I was diagnosed with PTSD and I found myself unable to leave the house, I said, well, I've always wanted to own a business. I've always wanted to work for myself. So I took that opportunity and started my own business, um, because you have to keep moving forward. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, um, you know, had I been more willing to have these conversations earlier, maybe I wouldn't have struggled so much and maybe been so isolated. Um, and I probably would have helped educate a few people along the way, which I think is always a good thing. So I, I think not only just depending on others, but maybe we worry a little too much sometimes about what other people are going to think about our experiences. Yeah, I one of my um, favorite Wayne Dyer quotes is his quote that says, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the first time I heard that quote, I had to write it down because, I mean, that's something that has been an issue for me in the past is that worry about what other people are going to say or what other people think about the things that that I want to do or the things I have done. And it really doesn't matter in the greater scheme of things, because again, it's one of those things that you have no control over, right? You can't control what people think about you. You can't control what people say about you. And so why do we, you know, focus on those things? Why we stress about those things? Um, it's really a waste of time because all that stress and worry isn't changing anything. All it's doing is making us feel worse about our situation. Yeah. Like when I, when I decided to start my business here working at home, um, 
my, even my fiance was not supportive. Um, and, and I had to just tune that out and say, okay, I get it. You don't, you don't understand right now, but this is my dream. So, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do. Um, and he's come around. And I think sometimes we just have to show people that it, it doesn't matter what they say. We're, we're going to keep doing what, what we know is true for us or what we know is important to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, um, that's so true. Such a great piece of advice is that, you know, you can't, yeah, you can't let other people's thoughts or feelings detract from your focus if this is something that's really important to you then you've got to just do it because if you don't you're going to end up with resentments about it or um yeah negative feelings about it because you've allowed the thoughts and feelings of others to to not let you pursue the things that are really important to you yeah and what I found amazing about that whole situation is that now you know I've been I've been running my own business for about six months. Um, and it, he's admitted now that all of his negativity was because he was very jealous of the fact that I was willing to take that risk. And I, I think it's really funny because a lot of the time we find out that's the case there. Um, for example, you know, I, um, you doing this podcast, I know there's a lot of people that may, look negatively at you. Oh, okay. Whatever. You're running a podcast. I've heard things like this before. Right. (laughs) Um, Everybody has a podcast. What makes you special? Well, you know, you have a different perspective on things and most likely they're jealous because they don't have a, a particular voice or a particular thing that's important enough for them to do it. Um, and you do. And so congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And I think that that, and that's something that I've said in talks and stuff as well, is that when you're, when you want to do something and you know, you have what I refer to as that peanut gallery who tells you that you shouldn't, or you can't or whatever, a lot of times it's, yeah, their own fears, their own perceived limitations that they're just projecting onto you. It's not that they don't like you, that they don't want you to succeed, but it's, yeah, that they're just projecting their own stuff on you. And you ha- once you realize that, then it doesn't have the same effect anymore. Amber, what would you say, what advice would you give to somebody going through something similar in their own life right now? I think there are two big pieces of advice I would, ha- I would give anybody. Um, first is, is to slow down. I know that's really difficult sometimes, but you, when you're moving and just going and trying to accomplish everything that needs to be done, um, you're not giving yourself time to listen to yourself or to hear um, your intuition. And there are so many times that I have ignored my intuition and regretted it immensely later. Um, and during those, those years when I was in and out of abusive relationships, I wasn't, um, I was doing exactly that. I was just going, um, I have to find a job. I have to find a place to live. I have to do this and I have to do that. And I was just going, going, going. 
and I wasn't listening and it led me into another abusive relationship and then kind of the same cycle until I learned to just stop and take some time for myself, listen and really let my body tell me. Um, I'm a big believer that our, our bodies will send us physical signals. Um, one good example, if anybody is or has been in an abusive relationship and when you're on your way home to that person um, or to that situation, you get this sick knot in your stomach of just dread. Um, and my best friend, she just actually got out of one herself and it wasn't until she was out of it and she had to interact with her husband again, that she felt that knot. And she's like, I never noticed it before. She said, I always thought it was an ulcer. It was something um, digestive. Um, and now she's recognized that every time she goes to interact with him, she gets that same feeling. Um, so I would, first one would be to stop, slow down, listen. Um, and the second one would be to surround yourself with teachers, um, whether it's through books, through podcasts, through YouTube, something, um, there's always some different perspective we can learn. And even if you've heard the same thing three different times, um, everybody says it in a different way and it may click differently on the third time you heard it rather than the way it clicked the first time you heard it. So, um, I would just keep listening. Um, and I know I said I was addicted to the Oprah Winfrey network, but it, it was kind of a joke in my family that Oprah saved my life. Um, it was her and Ianla Van Zant, and, uh, oh, another huge one I love is Brene Brown. Um, her talks about shame and, um, is it shame and guilt? The difference between shame and guilt was the, one of the biggest turning points for me because I didn't realize that I didn't just feel guilty. I was ashamed of my past. And so I, if it weren't for these women that I listened to, I probably, I would probably be a lot less far along in life. Um, I would probably be still um, just going and moving through the motions a lot of the time. Right. And we wouldn't be doing this interview. We would not. <laughs> <laughs> Amber, thank you so much for sharing your journey and um, your story. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that the listeners do as well, because like you said, the teachers come in many forms. And I think that when you can hear about somebody else's experiences, you know that you're not the only one going through something, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that you're going through. And um and so often when you are going through stuff, it can be so isolating and you can feel like you're the only one who gets it. You're the only one who's ever experienced whatever it is that you're experiencing. And so really that's the whole intention of this podcast is to share these stories and let people know that whatever it is you're going through, there is a way out. You just have to be patient with yourself and with the process. And I feel like I'm a broken record because I might say that in every episode. <laughs> But I think, like you said, sometimes you have to hear it several times before it connects with you. And because it is a process and it's not going to happen overnight because 
the stuff that got you to that experience, whatever it was, didn't happen overnight. It was a progression that led you there. And so it's going to take time for you to get yourself out of it, to heal yourself from it. And I think that we're in a time in our lives where everything is about instant gratification and instant results. Right. And um, it's just not possible sometimes. And I think we have to learn to be okay with that. And yeah, just be patient. <laughs> and I know that sometimes that's easier said than done, but I think that that is the key to this is that no matter what you're going through, know that it's not going to get fixed overnight. There is no magic pill or magic book or magic talk that you're going to hear once and everything's going to be okay, that it is, it is a process. And can I just let your listeners know, whatever stage you're in, whatever stage they, whatever they're going through, it, it's okay. That I think that too often we, you know, especially with social media and stuff, we expect things to be perfect. Um, we're like, we have to portray this image of everything is fine. Um, but it's okay if it's not. And, and if you're broken a little bit, it's okay. If you're broken a lot, it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, just be kind to yourself and, and accept where you're at. And, um, you know, like we said, keep moving forward. Yeah. And know that as you heal you, that break can heal and be stronger than it ever was before. Absolutely. And I think that that's, yeah, something to remember as well. well thank you so much, Sandra, for letting me share. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. And um, for those of you listening, if you're not listening on your computer and you're on the road or on a walk or at the gym, uh, you can go back to the show notes and find where to connect with Amber and, um, and learn more about her and what her business is all about. So again, thank you so much, Amber. And to the listeners, have an awesome week.